And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, we've got an interesting subject today that's been suggested to us, and it's dealing with the ascension. Yes, a person on the street, what does the ascension mean? And I'm not sure what they'd come up with, but um, as churchmen, that's a very important topic to yeah, us, isn't it? Yeah, the ascension of mm-hmm. Christ. In fact, just this past Thursday was Ascension Day, or the Ascension, mm. uh, and um, this coming Sunday is uh, tomorrow is usually when it's celebrated. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> biblically what and historically, what, what happened such that this got called the Ascension? What, what actually went, took place? Well, it, actually what took place was Jesus, after dying and rising again, um, he was still on earth. But uh, after teaching and, and showing himself to his disciples, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he showed himself to more than 500 at once. But then mm-hmm. he went and ascended into heaven to be with his Father, to prepare a place for us. And uh, we have the account of that in a couple places, one of which is Luke. And the Luke one is very brief, and it just says in Luke twenty four fifty. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Mm. Now, the Acts gives us more detail. Yeah, Acts, it, it does. It's it's a continuation, of course, of Luke's Gospel. Luke is the same author, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it should help understanding to know mm-hmm. that scholars treat Luke and Acts as one document, mm-hmm. and the reason that it comes down to us as two is because both books are the longest in the New Testament, and a scroll could only be so long, like 22 mm. or 24 feet, and, and Luke reaches that limit, and Acts almost well, reaches that limit, but <laughs> what he drops, uh, the final uh, theme that he has, that Luke has in his gospel is the ascension, and he essentially picks it up. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first chapter, I never thought about that of the yeah. book of Acts, and of course, it's dedicated to the same man, Theophilus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just lover like, of God, just like one of these uh, TV shows where it says "to be continued," you know, and that's <laughs> what he did with Acts. It continued it. Yeah, yeah. and that, in the in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, uh, it records a fuller version of the ascension and what he did. He taught actually for 40 days after his resurrection. And uh, it provoked uh, his disciples uh, at the 40th day to ask that famous question just before uh, he ascended into heaven. Will you now restore the kingdom? Oh, yes. And, of course, mm-hmm. he reminds them that those things are in the Father's hands, but that doesn't discourage a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of modern Bible students today yeah, that's trying to true. figure out when Jesus is coming back. They've got it figured out, yeah. as, mm-hmm. at least as to the year. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus ascends, and uh, uh, he sent it into a cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's important. Yeah. And also, even before that, um, Jesus had told his disciples, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage 
that I go away. You know, if we stopped there, we'd say, well, why on earth would be to our advantage? Wouldn't we want Jesus right here? But no, he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And ten days later, he did. (laughs) It's a a wonderful thing. And that would be Jesus present with them always. Yes. In the spirit. That's right. So um, today we're talking about this ascension of Jesus into heaven. And uh, there's a lot of aspects to it. I think we're guilty. Let me just throw this out right up front. I think we're guilty sometimes as Christians. And um, it's it's not that we're doing anything evil. It's just that we get caught into a trap. We're guilty of um, seeing Jesus on earth and then focusing on that in our teaching and then focusing on his second coming. Um, but we sometimes forget or fail to recognize all that has happened with his heavenly enthronement. Here is the King of Kings now going to his heavenly throne. Have you ever visualized that? Um, I don't know if it's possible to even envision it with (laughs) my limited eyes and insight, but um, he is the enthroned King of Kings in heaven. And so he doesn't sit idly by, does he? He's making his enemies his footstool. He is. He's he's uh, seated at the right hand. That's called his yeah. session, where he is seated at the right hand, making his enemies his footstool. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about on this program uh, missions and how that many people are now coming into the kingdom of God from various places around the world. John Vance, you mentioned, I believe, northern Africa and how that, uh, I think it's on the order of a million people a year, are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, this is just one example of Christ exercising his authority and working through his church that has been empowered by the Helper, capital H, meaning the Holy Spirit. So something wonderful is happening, and it's been happening since Christ has ascended on high. With that, we need to take a short break. We're up against uh, that time already in the program. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Please be, don't 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about the Ascension. While the mic was off, John, you mentioned something about the Church and Christ's Ascension. Could you... uh, Help us understand this a little bit more. Well, the New Testament church, if you will, even though there's a church in the Old Testament, but in its New Testament phase, it was Mm -hmm. birthed, obviously, at Pentecost. That's not the beginning of the church, but that's the New Testament phase. And the Spirit came and fell upon them. Uh, Sometimes the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he gave a promise that he would be with his disciples and the church until the end of the age. So Christ is present in the church. The question is, How is he present in the church? Well, two ways. He is present immediately. That means he's not mediated. He is there where two or three are gathered together. When the church is called together for worship, there he is in the midst. He is present. If we could just roll back the curtain from the seen to the unseen, so to speak, uh, we would see that Christ is indeed present. But, of course, you can't see spirit. The second thing is he is mediatedly present. Uh, That Mm. is that he is present through the word as it is preached, Mm. through the preacher, through its reading, and through the administration of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Christ is present immediately and mediatedly. What I enjoy about our our church service is that uh, from the call to worship until the very end, that whole experience, can I call it, is indeed worship. Uh, I mm-hmm. think sometimes folks today will tend to think, oh, just the singing of praise courses or whatever is the worship part of the service. No, not at all. Christ is there. I've used, Music you, you, is usually a response yeah, to the word. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so this whole thing is worship. When I when I hear that call to worship, that that is like, um, wow, you mm-hmm. know, this is it. It's happening right now. <laughs> it's called to be present before the king and let us Amen. do the work That's, that we are called to do, and that yeah. is to ascribe that glory which is due his name. Yeah. That's right. We do that, and as John said, in word and sacrament, not just the singing, but the right. preaching of the word, the hearing of the word, the ascribing praise to him. We do it in so many different ways during a formal worship service. Obviously, he is there to receive that worship. He is definitely at the right hand of God the Father, which is present throughout the world, the right hand of mm-hmm. the power of God. Let me add one thought to that receiving. I think uh, he does, because he, we, we worship him. We have hymns to the mm. Lordship of Christ, and he is worthy to receive worship. Also, as our mediator, he is present. I like mm. to think that in his mediatorship, if you will, takes up our imperfections, in worship, like our imperfect prayers, yes, how yes. often my mind is wondered or uh, stumbled in the pulpit, so to speak. He takes that up and perfects it in himself and in his own offering to the Father. It is perfect from us mm. through his mediatorship. Yeah, the Hebrews know. tells us that he is interceding for He's, the saints. He is the high priest. But if he had not priest. ascended, That's he right. would not then have come again. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I like that text we shared earlier that it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you. Now there's a text um gentlemen you shared with me before we opened the mics from Ephesians chapter 4. I wanted to read this. You will often hear uh, Christians talk about giftings from God to his people 
and that uh, they're a form of unity, they're a means of unity. Um, This is what the Scripture says in Ephesians 4, and it ties to this theme today of the ascension of Christ. Starting with verse 7, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, Mm -hmm. that he might fill all things. Um, This goes back to the theme that uh, Christ is the enthroned king, and he is really doing something up there in heaven. Um, And one of the things that's mentioned here is the giftings, and in particular it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so God grants these gifts to different people. Not all of them have the same calling and gifting, but um, had Christ not ascended, this would not have occurred. The Lord, of course, is sovereign. Um, And in his ascension, it shows his sovereignty, and he's able to bestow these gifts sovereignly upon the church. Mm. I... uh, don't like the idea of uh, people saying, I'm seeking this gift or that gift. Uh, God gives his gifts in his Son sovereignly. We can develop them and stir them up, as Paul says. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, we got to remember that the Lord is the one who calls, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't call everyone to be a preacher or a missionary or evangelist or whatever we want to say. Uh, The Lord of the harvest is doing exactly what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's for uh, uh, various purposes. I'm continuing to read in the text here. He says, uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I know that was a longer reading, but mm-hmm. it does illustrate this notion that um, we're not like each other. Uh, we we share a common thread of humanity, certainly, redeemed humanity, but we have different parts in the body, and we have to fulfill our callings as God is sovereignly, as you pointed out, John, given us uh, various gifts. Yeah, and that's what he does. He gives various gifts to prepare his church that it might serve him, that it might glorify him, to the end that we are united with him in heaven, and that's One of the other aspects of what uh, Jesus Christ does in John 14, he was telling his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, then I will come again, that where I am you may Mm -hmm. be also. So he's going to prepare a place, and uh, of course that's the heavenly home and heavenly kingdom. Uh, What is entailed with that, I'm sure we don't all know, but he is the one who is preparing it, and and, uh, it is certainly for us. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there's a great symmetry uh, in yeah. in what we will call the incarnation and the ascension as well. Uh, I'd like to point out the creed says that he descended into hell. When Jesus became incarnated, it was in his humiliation. We sometimes call the incarnation humiliation. Mm-hmm. Jesus, in his humiliation, in his manhood, not only suffers death, but he suffers whatever death is at its deepest level. Yes, He descends into, into hell. But also from that great humiliation or descent, he ascends on high to become Lord. In the highest heavens. There's a great symmetry there in that mm-hmm. uh, understanding. But he also ascends on high to heaven so that he might come again. There was an article. Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, and that's the thing that we always keep in mind. He is coming again. And that's, yes. And he's coming again uh, not as the suffering servant as he did the first time. No. no. But as the ruler and king and judge. Mm-hmm. The author and uh, lecturer R.C. Sproul had an article on his website where he points out when Jesus speaks of ascension, he's not speaking of merely going up. He is speaking of something in technical terms. He is thinking in terms of the Psalms of Ascent that celebrated the anointing of a king. And Sproul references Psalms 120 through 134. And when Jesus says no one ascends into heaven, it is true that no one ascends or goes to heaven in the same manner or for the same purpose that he went there. So we see him being lifted up on the clouds of glory, and and this uh, harkens back, I suppose, as Sproul says, to the Psalms of Ascent. Yeah, the Psalms of Ascent were, was when the people went up to Jerusalem to worship in the earthly sanctuary, mm-hmm. but Jesus ascended to the heavenly sanctuary yes. and to the new Jerusalem from whence he will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again. it's interesting the way Jerusalem was built. It was built on a hill. If you ever read uh, any portion of the the Bible, and it say, always says they go up to Jerusalem. Now they may yeah. have started from the north in Galilee, but they still went up to Jerusalem because you're always uh, going up the hill into Jerusalem, and that, of course, I think is. Uh, signifies that uh, going up into heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally and metaphorically yep. it is used. Literally you had to ascend no matter which direction you came to go yep. up to Jerusalem, but it is also a metaphor, meaning that hmm. it has a deep meaning of of uh, going up to the place of the Lord and ascending hmm. on high. Right. I just uh, keep coming back to the uh, anticipatory aspect of worship each Lord's Day. Because we have a glorified, risen, and enthroned Lord Jesus Christ, we meet, he's there by virtue of his Spirit, and it's just a wonderful thing to realize that that God is now in our midst in a way that he couldn't have been prior to this ascension. That should revive worship attendance, shouldn't it? Yes. It's a great truth. (laughs) Yes. We're we're not looking for some... um, well, I don't want to offend people, but we don't, we're not looking for some craziness going on in the services. Uh, we are looking for God by his Spirit truly using word and sacrament to bring us closer to him, to meet our heart's deepest needs, and to prepare us for the Christian warfare that occurs as we walk out of that sanctuary and we carry out the Great Commission. It's our Lord Jesus Christ that uh, is now presently, right now, present tense, exercising his lordship over the whole world. Yeah. And, and you know, another factor here is that 
He's interceding before the Father on behalf of his people. That's a great and comforting truth. Oh, right? my. Uh, that he prays yeah. for me every day. Yes, and he's still yeah. our great high priest who has entered the heavenly sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. That's important because, as uh, Romans 8 points out, we often don't know how we ought to pray. We don't know uh, God's will for us. And so our prayers are somewhat... Uh, I don't want to say they're somewhat less than they could be. Let me let just well. Let he me takes our imperfections and perfects, and perfects them and, and exactly. offers them to the Father. That's right. But he, we, all these benefits that mm. uh, Dan pointed out at the beginning all, in that scripture, all of these benefits are because he ascended on high. Yeah. That's right. And it yeah. would not be our to our benefit unless he had. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he even alludes to that in the Gospels when uh, he, one of the women tried to touch him. And hold him and, back, so to speak. And, and I think one of the things, of course, as he said to Thomas, you believe because you see. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. I think that's all part of the ascension, mm. is that uh, that we have to live yes. by faith. It's that hope that we don't see yet. Yep. And we know it's certain. We know it's coming, but we don't see it yet. And yep. because he's ascended, we also have the Great Commission. Uh, the, the ascended Lord is directing his people and he's gathering his people through the, the the ministry and work of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's and right. he has thrust us out into the world. I think that's one of the most powerful evidences of of, of Holy Spirit filling uh, when missionary endeavor is successful, as empowered by the Spirit. Men, women, boys, and girls come to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, yeah. he says, go into all the world, baptizing yes. them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's teaching right. them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Mm. Uh, That's the ascended Lord at work in the world. And And we should see our missionary endeavor is embracing not just individual, but families. Yes, indeed, indeed. Mm. Uh, That was a New Testament and Old Testament concept. Yeah. Don't cut ourselves short and say it's individual only. I know that, that it's the case. I know that we individually need to receive Christ, but it's so much more than that from God's perspective. And, and you see that, especially the Philippian jailer oh, yes. with his whole household coming. And you see it even today on the mission field, often when you have uh, tribes that are mm-hmm. isolated from the rest, you'll have, when the gospel finally hits, it like hits the whole tribe. Yes. The this is almost, I hate to say it, this is almost a common sense sort of thing. Yeah. But us and our American individualism have, have, have cut ourselves off from what God's will really is for mm-hmm. us. God mm-hmm. wants to work in families. Yeah. Well, I, I'm preaching, and I see we're out of time already. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's Go been to it sweet. And preach. <laughs> yeah, it's been sweet having you in the, in the uh, studio today. We've been talking about the ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We would want to encourage you, dear listener, to uh, uh, look with anticipation this coming Lord's Day as you worship with your brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. Christ in the presence of the triune God of the Scriptures in your services of worship. Uh, be anticipatory of what God is going to do through his Holy Spirit by word and sacrament and has, mm-hmm. as he empowers you to go out into this world to uh, preach the gospel to every creature. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. If you have a question for either of these fine pastors, we would invite you to email us. Our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. 
Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs>